host, Dmitry Filipovich. Welcome to the Hockey PDO cast. My name is Dmitry Filipovich, and joining me is my good buddy, Chris Meany. Mean, what's going on, man? Hey, what's going on, Dimitri? Uh, thanks for having me. Always a fun time of the year. October is a, a busy month for sports fans out there, but this is, I think, the best opportunity of this season to kind of maybe take advantage of your league mates when it comes to fantasy hockey and who are we buying, who are we selling, and some hot teams out there and some slow starts for sure for some teams that had some high expectations, man. Looking forward to the chat. It is. So this is the objective for today's show. It's become a bit of a early season annual tradition for us. The objective is to reward our loyal listeners by helping them get a leg up on their friends, their family, their coworkers, their bitter rivals, whoever they happen to be playing against in their fantasy leagues, we're going to help them get there. And how we're going to do it, we're going to highlight, as you mentioned, actionable pieces of info, uh, whether it is early season usage, uh, who stands to benefit from what's going on, favorable situations to target, outliers we're either buying or selling, all that good stuff. So we're going to get a good view of the league and what's going on and how we can take advantage of it. But most importantly, we're going to have some fun. So as the guest, I will let you go first here. What's the first spot that you've got your eyes on here the first couple of weeks of the season? You know, I'm going to surprise you, I think, and start with one of the most surprising squads over the first couple of weeks of the season, and that's the, the Philadelphia Flyers. Uh, the Flyers are playing some pretty good hockey at the moment. There's 3.43 goals per game is the 12th most in the NHL. They're 4-2-1 in the Metro, and there's a lot of struggling teams in the Metro at the moment. I mean, the Flyers have the, the second most goals inside the division. They have a plus-six goal differential, and I'm not buying into them as a, you know a playoff squad, and they're going to be competitive this season. They started off pretty good last year, but there's two players in particular you know that didn't play last season that are really good players, and they're available in fantasy hockey leagues. One's Cam Atkinson, and the other is Sean Couturier. And Atkinson, you know, he's a seven-time 20-goal scorer, once 35, another season with 41 and four goals and seven points to start the campaign, two on the power play. He has an alarming 20% shooting rate at the moment, but he's always been a volume shooter, uh, 200 plus shots, seven times in his career as well. And Sean Couture, I mean, he's been one of my favorite players over the past few years, uh, just a smart two-way hockey player. Uh, another guy that's got, you know, two 30 goal seasons on his resume and six points here through seven games, two on the power play. He's not a big shooter like Cam Atkinson. He's not going to provide anybody hits if you're playing in those bangers leagues, but he's sneaky in leagues with faceoff wins and takeaways. And then Owen Tippett was one of my favorite targets, and he's on that line as well. He's off to a slow start, but he does have 40 shot attempts at 5-5, five and five, which is sixth in the NHL and second among forwards behind McKinnon. And a lot of those shot attempts have been, you know, high danger, real nice scoring chances for him as well. And last season saw the the boost, right? It was a career year for him. 27 goals, 49 points, 12 power play points. He had eight power play goals. And the ice time increased. It was 15 minutes per game in the first half and then 20 post-All-Star break. Now, the minutes aren't there for him at the moment, but I like the fact that Tortorella put him on that line with those two veteran players and three points over his last four games heading into the weekend. It's, it's a line that's definitely available, all three of those guys. I'd say Atkinson probably has the highest ceiling because he's a shooter. Uh, but man, this Flyers team has been really competitive. I've been impressed. Well, I'm glad you started them with this because this is a perfect situation for us to target in fantasy, right? Because this is a team that was bad last year, then really firmly positioned itself as a seller in the offseason. And I think everyone, myself included, went into a year just basically writing them off entirely, especially from like a entertainment interest level perspective, right? Like it's just like there's no real reason for, to watch this team basically until two, three years from now when we see Matt Vamichkov in this lineup and then I'll start paying attention. And so a lot of these players fly under the radar and there are situations where, especially with how, as you mentioned, competitive they are, 
they're playing like a very high paced, very aggressive style, right? We're seeing them push the envelope on the penalty kill. We're seeing them get into some of these fun back and forth games. And so um, the guys you mentioned, certainly, I mean, obviously I think everyone knows Travis Konechny after the productive season he had last year, and he's back to another uh, terrific goal scoring start. I'll throw a few other names here on the flyers for you. You know, I love the, the just, outrageous volume defenseman because the more often you're on the ice, the more often you have the opportunity for good things to happen that you get points for, right? Whether it's hits or blocks or shots on goal or obviously points that we love. And so Travis Sanheim's playing like over 26 minutes a night on this team. And he's been one of the big winners of uh, the NHL releasing their NHL edge tracking stats because pretty much every category you sort by defenseman, whether it's hardest shots or fastest skating, Travis Sanheim is just popping off at the top of that list. Now, obviously, we don't get points for that in a fantasy, but it still kind of speaks to um, the level he's playing at, I guess, both in terms of the physical ability, but also how reliant this team is on him. So if he's going to keep getting this type of usage and the Flyers are going to remain this competitive, then he's going to be a smash for fantasy. Oh, I love the call. Yeah, 27 minutes the other night against Minnesota, and he played 28-28 against Dallas. I thought he was one of the better players on the ice, to be honest with you, in that game. Pushing the pace, you know, points in every single game but one so far to start the season. I love that. We're going to talk about a couple other defensemen later that just have that usage rate on another bad team. So uh, certainly available, you know, I, even if the Flyers, you know, regress a little bit, which is it's possible. You mentioned the hits and the blocks that he can pile up, more so the blocks, and he's shooting, right? No Provorov on that squad. There's an opportunity for him, and we'll see how much ice he can handle. So far, so good. Yeah, I'll give you another quick shout-out just because, obviously, one of the great hockey names, Bobby Brink, but uh, <laughs> doing the rare feat of being a young player who's clearly earning John Tortorella's trust in the early going here, where his ice time's going up, they're using him in all situations, and he's been uh, productive, especially of late. So it's just someone to kind of keep in the back of your mind, especially for those of you playing in deeper leagues or maybe in DFS, if it's the right spot for him. Um, okay, well, well, I mentioned um, Sandheim there, and then you sort of alluded to some other defensemen that kind of fit that bill. I guess while we're on that wavelength, let me give you my first guy, Mike Matheson. Oh, who I, I believe we talked about a lot last year, right? And maybe it flew, didn't get enough attention, I guess, because he missed so much time at the start of the year. I believe he played under 50 games last year for the Habs in his first season in Montreal, but he's playing over 26 minutes a night. Uh, he had the obvious uh, highlight reel end-to-end rush goal the other night, two goals, three assists so far, but he's just like a compiler beast in everything, right? 22 shots on goal, 36 attempts, 21 blocked shots himself, and for me, it's the perfect combination of clearly a talented player who has offensive skills while also being in a perfect environment, especially with David Savard out now. And, and that shouldn't be a surprise given his age and the fact that he just eats shots and he'll inevitably get hurt at some point. Matheson is just out there all the time running the top unit power play. And this Habs team, while they've been really competitive, playing some high scoring games, I expect that continue. Maybe not the wins, but certainly these kind of high scoring games, especially with the defensive question marks and how young the team is, there's going to be a lot of opportunities for him to just be out there compiling all sorts of stats. So uh, my Matheson was one of my favorites sort of like punt defensemen at the start of the year. You could just wait if you, if you load it up on forwards at the top of the draft and he's done nothing in his first two weeks to, uh, to dissuade me from thinking that. No, man, I love the call. Uh, he was my favorite targets in the FTN fantasy hockey draft kit. And I think, yeah, it, the fact that he plays, you know, for Montreal. And I think the what you said, you know, the second half that he had was was phenomenal. I mean, he had eight points in his first 17 games and 26 over his final 31. 
average over 25 minutes per game over that span. And he was a top 10 fantasy hockey defenseman. And he currently is right now in leagues with shots and hits and, and power play points. I mean, from a high stakes league, a shout out to NFHC, you know, 2.48 points per game, which ranked 15th at the position. And he was going on average as the 46th defenseman off the board. So he's even available in those deeper formats. And, and last season, over those last six weeks, only Quinn Hughes, Devon Taves, and Chris Letang had more ice time than him. You mentioned the ice time right now, 26 minutes is third in the league. And, and again, just he checked a lot of boxes for me at five and five as well, like sixth in shot attempts, fourth in shots, 10th in scoring chances, 11th in points among defensemen. You mentioned the highlight real goal. He's such a beautiful skater, and the Canadians have so many questions on the back end. You're right. They're going to play to a lot of uh, entertaining games. I don't know if I, I know with confidence they won't be able to keep up these W's. Yes. Uh, but there's going to be a lot of overs in their games, right? They can score. They got some nice young players. But last year they had five, sometimes six rookie defensemen in their lineup. Savard, Caden Gooley is out right now. So, yeah, he's just a he's just a really good player, man. And he's going to pile up the points and pile up the shots. Yeah, 20-plus, already 40 combined shots and blocks. He's a, a really nice asset. And out of all the players that, you know, we may talk about here today, he's probably one of the better pickups um, because of the usage rate. 44% in Yahoo's. It's just too low. I love it. People are tuning in and they're being like, all right, let me hear about Jack Hughes and Nathan McKinnon. <laughs> and we start off with uh, with Travis Sanheim and Mike Matheson here for, uh, for all the deep league heads out there. Yeah. Um, okay, who's next on your list? Yeah, let's start. Let's get a, a, an elite goal scorer here. I, I view him as elite goal scorer. It's Josh Norris. You know, it's probably running out of time to to pick him up. You know, he wasn't with the he was with the team, but he wasn't playing. And it's non-contact jersey. He didn't get any preseason action there. So he's now back in the lineup here. Limited to eight games last season. His ownership's around 50%, even lower in ESPN leagues. A lot of question marks. I wanted to draft him in a, in a bunch of my leagues as well. I just wasn't sure. Like, it was kind of hush-hush in Ottawa what was going on with him. And I... Now he's playing, and it was the third line that he opened up, and then he, he played on the second line on the first power play all of a sudden. Three goals, five points, four power play points. I want to see a little bit more five and five production, but this Sens team, they're going to score some goals. They're, I think they're going to figure this thing out offensively, and, and you hope Jornis Corpusalo can, can keep the puck out of the net and they can be competitive here. But uh, points in all four games, 52 goals in the first two seasons in the NHL. I, I don't know, like it if he's a rock solid 30 goal scorer, he had high shooting percentages in those first couple of seasons. And already, of course it's a, it's a little high at the moment, but man, every time I watch him play, he just makes things happen. So I think, you know, I'd view him as like a top 25 center in, in fantasy hockey, the rest of the way. And I, like I said, I think you're just kind of running out of time. Cause he's one of the most added players over the past couple of weeks, but I wanted to, reference him today yeah i wouldn't let the high shooting percentage scare me off just because if he's going to be out there playing this role right I, I think he is an above average shooter or finisher while also being in a spot where he gets great opportunities i love that power play and the way they move it around and i want as many pieces of it as i can and so my guy on the center is here was actually jake sanderson right who is quarterbacking that top unit power play i think people think a lot because of all the years of just thomas shabbat is basically out there every other shift. And so he's the only person you want, but all of a sudden now you look in that gap in usage is closing quite a bit where Jake Sanderson's all the way up to 22, 42 per game. He's closed the gap on Shabbat. I believe Shabbat's only playing a minute and a half more than him this season. And that was like over three minutes uh, per game last year, the difference between the two. And I mean, Sanderson, obviously, as we mentioned, beautiful skater, just the skating is off the charts ability to get around. And the team is relying on him a ton. He's quarterbacking the top unit power play. He's on the top unit penalty kill, so he'll get you some extra blocks there as well. And maybe you can't really buy now because he already has the three early goals and, um, you know, betting on 
goal scoring for defensemen is always precarious because we know that generally it can be kind of come and go and and you don't want to buy it on high early season shooting percentages because they will level out. But if he's going to be playing this type of role with the talent he has and how much they're entrusting him and giving him more and more seemingly on a nightly basis, um, I just love getting in while you still can on the Jake Anderson, Jake Anderson experience because uh, he's quite a talent. Yeah, he is quite a talent. I mean, good contract for Ottawa there to lock him up. I, I really think that this is good for for Thomas Shabbat too. Um, I would rather have Sanderson of the three. I mean, Jacob Trickern almost put ten pucks on that the other night. It was fun to see, and he's a obviously a, a name that more people are well aware of, and he's a good asset as well. But having Shabbat maybe cool down the minutes for him, maybe not have him play on that first power play, second power play here and there, and you know have him play tougher minutes, which will be I think overall better for the Senators. But yeah, this team's going to score some goals. It's just a matter of like, do you think? Goalies are so voodoo, and it's tough to to buy low and sell high on some goalies. I, I find, but Corpusell is one that I really liked heading into the season, and it just uh, it's it's been a little bit of a slow start for him. Yeah, I'm gonna refrain from giving any advice on goalies. I would just I would <laughs> just buy the goalies who are struggling the most and hope they have a good yeah. couple weeks, and then sell them and just rinse and repeat. And that's my yeah. strategy. I'm generally not the type to uh to be paying for saves in fantasy leagues, but I know it can be very frustrating if you run into one of these cold spells. Uh, so, okay, so speaking of young talent and then power plays, I like, let's talk about the Coyotes because this top power play of Clayton Keller, Logan Cooley, Nick Schmaltz, Sean Dersey, and Barrett Hayden is phenomenal to watch. The goal that they scored uh, at the end, I'm not sure how many people were still up by by how late it was at the end of that frozen frenzy on Tuesday night, but scored a beautiful goal and it just highlighted the type of puck movement this group is capable of. The East-West passing is absolutely nasty. They open up so many quality looks. I believe the team as a whole leads the entire league in slot passes this season. And part of that is because Clayton Keller is number one in the league himself at that while also being second in the league in average offensive zone possession. He's been an absolute monster and they're struggled so far at five on five scoring. I believe they're all the way down at 31st, but they're seventh in power play scoring rate. And I don't think that's an accident. I think the five on five certainly will come up, but the power play I expect to be elite just because there's so much talent out there and just totally passes the eye test when you watch them flinging that puck around. So um, I, I, I love this team. They've kind of been my, uh, I don't even want to say guilty pleasure early in the season because I'm, I'm, I'm proud of it. Um, I'm enjoying watching this team. They're really fun and I'm going to be a, along for the ride uh, this full season. So pretty much give me any of those pieces and certainly, you know, guys like Dersey, um, you can, I assume get for pretty cheap just because generally not that many people are that kind of tuned into uh to the Sean Dersey experience. Dude, I'm a sucker for them too. And when they were playing in Melbourne, the game started at 3.30 my time and I watched it all. I was just like, I am watching this team play. I love that Jersey was on that first power play unit. Uh, I, I saw you picked Keller in our uh, in our fantasy hockey mock draft. I was a little bit sour about that. You know, 19 <laughs> goals at 5-5 five and five from January 1st to the end of the season. Trailed only McKinnon and David Pasternak, who had 21 each. And he was third in 5-5 five and five points over that span. 35 and 47 games behind those two guys. It's a league company, right? He is a superstar player. And Nick Schmaltz's his ownership is too low. He's off to such a great start. Seven points in six games, three power play points. Not a big shooter, but clearly chemistry there with Clayton Keller. And I'm a big fan of Barrett Hayton too. And this was one of my deep league targets. And I know some people have, have reached out. Should I drop him? Should I be patient with him? And I I'd like people to be patient, especially if you're playing in a league with shots and you know, you get those added face-off wins. Not everybody plays with that scoring setting, but that's an added bonus for you. He'll throw his body around. He's had so many chances when I watch Arizona play, he's been all over the net. He just hasn't been able to buy one just yet. 
Cooley on that first power play as well, dishing the puck around. Michelli's a nice player who's got a great, great release. There's a, a lot to like about this uh, Zona team and five to one to make the playoffs at the start of the season. I think there's a, a possibility for them. I, I believe that they'll be hanging around at the end of the year. And uh, yeah, if you can get any of these guys, you could pick up Hayton, pick by Jersey. Uh, it's, it's not your old Coyotes. This is a team that's going to be competitive this year. No, and certainly don't give up on Barrett Hayden yet. He's got uh sport logic has him at eight rush chances in six games, which is amongst the league leaders. And just because of the position he plays and kind of the the prototype he is physically, like he's very firmly and safely entrenched in that position, regardless of how the production comes and goes. And I, I want anyone that's playing with Keller and Schmaltz because they are so phenomenal together. And I wanted to shout out Cooley here as well, because, um, you know, the passing has been prolific. I think if anything, I know it's kind of part of the charm and he'll always be more of a playmaker and him passing up a good shot for a great shot is how you get some of these highlight real goals. And so you can't necessarily talk out of both sides of your mouth and be like, Oh, I love that stuff. But also I wish he would shoot more, but only five shots on goal and 17 attempts in six games. I think just given how much he has the puck on a stick and how talented he is, I think there's more there. And I'm sure part of it is just kind of easing into this level. And these are his first six NHL games. So I'm sure that'll come as time goes on here, but it's scary to think like once he gets a bit more confident and aggressive in that regard, how much that'll open up and how much talent is on the ice when all of those guys are out there together. So you throw in Matias Michelli as well, who's a personal favorite, uh, Jason Zucker, although I know he's a, he's a, a bit banged up right now, but the forward talent in particular on this team is really, really fun. And I think there's a lot of different avenues that you can attack to, to kind of get some of that fantasy goodness. Yeah, even uh, Vimalka and Net, like his ownership mm-hmm. is 54%. I know they're going game for game at the moment, but he's got a 942 save percentage. You know, we're talking about goalies, and, you know, he's going to get the start Friday evening against the Oilers or against the Kings, rather. He's been phenomenal uh, all season long. And even last year, again, this was actually one of the better teams in the second half of the season. Surprisingly, they played themselves out of a, a top draft pick. But yeah, I watched Logan Cooley play in the World Juniors in, in Halifax, and he stood out every time. He was just extremely impressive to me. And yeah, it's only a matter of time. I think, you know, he gets a little bit more comfortable. He scored that highlight real goal there in the preseason. He's got hands, and he's a terrific playmaker. Yeah, Cody's yeah. Here. I, I don't know if they're for real, but uh, probably top 15. Uh, top they're 15. fun. They're really fun. They're, uh, fun. they're for real in, in terms of entertainment value. Okay, uh, who's next on your list? I got Ryan Johansson here. Ryan Johansson mm-hmm. hanging around 30% uh, in Yahoo leagues, four goals, five points to start uh, his Avs career for them on the power play. 16-38 per game, which is the most he's played in four years. It's a bit of a small sample size here. The Avs shuffled their lines a little bit, you know, here and there. And the, the last time I watched them play, they had Miko Rantanen with Johansson and they had or Terry Lekkinen playing really good hockey. Just a great two-way player that doesn't get enough respect, I think, in the league. And Nachushkin on that other side with McKinnon and just having that that power play role. I thought the Avs, you know, when they won the cup, they lost, of course, they lost some pieces. I thought the biggest piece maybe they lost was Nazem Kadri down the middle of the ice, and they gave an opportunity to JT Confer and Alex Newhook and both of those guys out of town, bringing another veteran piece here in Johansson, who started his career as, as a sniper, right? 59 goals in his first two seasons, over 200 shots in each of those seasons, a 120-goal season over his next eight and zero with 200 shots, always passing it off in Nashville. Seems to be shooting a little bit. I love, I just love the fact that he's in that top six, which is lethal, don't know when we'll see Landeskog back and just really getting that opportunity on that first power play. And we just know, we know how great the apps are. Yeah. And I think he's especially been very valuable replacing exactly that, that Landeskog kind of net front on the power play and giving some, some dual threat ability there. Um, I was going to ask you, this is what on my, on my, 
target list. I just didn't really know how I want to attack it because there's so many complementary pieces. Anyone that's going to be on the ice with McKinnon and Rantanen and Makar is going to have value, right? They've been they've been tinkering with the lines. They started with Drew at the start. They've been bouncing around. Thomas Tatar has got an opportunity. I have been in, kind of interested or or puzzled by the fact that you know we saw Val Nichushkin so productive on that top unit power play last year, where he had the ten power play goals in just fifty three regular season games, and then it's been Lekkinen playing that spot this season and he's amongst the league leaders in high danger chance opportunities and he's getting a ton of looks he's only got the two goals on 26 shots to show for it while that's probably a bit unlucky i think he's also kind of shown that he's probably going to be more of a volume than efficiency shooter um so i wouldn't necessarily expect that to balloon but when you're out there in those opportunities there's going to be kind of gimmies and the puck just bouncing off of you and goals will come i'm just not sure if they're going to be like, there's so many moving parts and they're kind of all cannibalizing each other in a way that maybe you're never going to get that full on production from any one of them. And it's going to be split up four ways and it could be a bit frustrating, but that also allows you to potentially buy on them because no one's that committed to to any four of those really. Uh, so I'm not sure how you would kind of rank those guys uh, from a fantasy value perspective, but there's clearly an opportunity here for someone to take advantage. Yeah, you're right. And uh, yeah, I think the Chuskin has the highest ceiling, you know, yeah. definitely a, a little bit of a higher ceiling than uh, Arturi Lekkinen and uh, maybe even Johansson at this point of his career. Uh, Duran, you're right. He he looked OK at the start, but, uh, you know, I just think he's a liability in his own end and, and quickly was removed from that line. And I just don't think he can really keep up with the pace that both McKinnon, but also Rantanen and when they're humming yeah. and their absolute best. It's just like, you can see he's kind of like trying to think his way through it. And unfortunately it's just kind of tough for him to keep up with those guys. It's tough for a lot of people, but I just, I, I don't think he can yeah. really do it on a, on a full-time basis. Yeah. He, I mean, he did in the early two thousands in the moose heads. I mean, he was actually one of the, it was at that time more productive than McKenna. They were both awesome. And I think we, we all knew that McKenna was going to go first in the draft, but the one thing about Lekkinen He's just used so differently than he was in Montreal. Of course, he's surrounded by better talent here in Colorado, but last year, 20 minutes per game in what was his first full season with the Avs, he got power play time, right? That's that's key. Having that, getting trusted on that first power play, you know, part of that is, of course, no Landeskog, but 20 power play points for him last year, and he had two the previous year in, in Montreal. And this year, again, the ice time is there, 19 minutes. He's got four power play points already. He is... I don't know. He's, I always find he gets chances. Like you mentioned, yep. you know, the high danger chances, he's always getting quality chances and, you know, I 20 goal score. I don't think he can touch the, the 30, 35 because I don't think he's a, an elite finisher, but Nuchushkin has that does have that finish where I think he could push 30 goals here this season. And yeah, maybe a buy low opportunity for him as they shuffle lines around. But I think all six, if you can get a piece of this Avs offense, uh, you try to do it if you can. Is there a way for us to get a piece of the devil's offense? Because just because of how productive they've been, and I think how aware and keenly aware of everyone is of yeah, it by now, it's going to be awful. tough. I just want like anyone that's going to be even hovering around the aura of Jack Hughes. I kind of want that on my team. Uh, these are Jack Hughes's points by game so far this season. Two, three, one, four, four, three. He's uh forget point per game he's uh nearly yeah. point per period pace i believe that's uh 17 points in 18 periods if my math is correct um you know clearly Tofoli, we i was excited about him in the offseason after the trade because he's such a smart player at like getting into open spots in the offensive zone and with jack hughes's playmaking ability and passing i figured that would work work 
well together and yeah. i think he's got the five goals in the two most recent games so that's clearly clicking so maybe the buying opportunity is kind of late there i guess maybe you could get in on a little luke hughes action right yeah. because dougie hamilton scored a couple goals early in the season and he was obviously so productive last year but now luke hughes is quarterback in that power play one with i know they split up the two units but the top one that's been so productive with jack hughes uh he's out there with him and he only has the one goal and one assist so far. So maybe if you just look purely at the season-long counting production, it's like, all right, well, there's not that much there to speak of. So maybe it's not that big of a deal. But I think he showed in the most recent game against Washington when they're playing from behind and need to speed up a little bit and push for offense. He plays nearly 24 minutes. He has the nine shot attempts. And so if you're going to tell me that that usage is going to continue, and, and I'm not expecting him to average 24 minutes a game, but if he's going to be out there with that top unit power play and just firing from the top of the point, good things are going to happen for him. So maybe that's a, a potential way to get in on it just because his counting stats haven't necessarily caught up with the, uh, with the opportunity yet. Yeah. Nearly 24 minutes the other night. I'm actually seeing him get dropped in, in Yahoo league. So maybe some people are a little bit, a bit impatient and part of that may be Dougie Hamilton, but yeah, he's been on that power play with uh, you know, with Jack since I think game two, they put them together. I heard Jack talk about, I actually, they were interviewing Jack Hughes in between periods about Luke Hughes and, you know, who's the tougher defenseman to go around in the summer, Quinn or Luke. And, you know, he said, man, Luke is just so impressive. And then they talked to Quinn and Quinn's like, oh yeah, Jack won't admit it. But Luke is, Luke's the guy who runs the camp in the summer. And the, this devil team is legit. You mentioned the 17 points. I believe that's the most from an American born player through the first six games of a season. He, his point prop was like two, one and a half plus money. And now it's like, almost sitting in the dry settle and McDavid range and in minus money. It's expected now that this guy's going to get a couple points. I, I suppose maybe Timo Meyer could be available, but even still, I don't, I would never sell any of these devils players. Like he, putting him with Jack Hughes, he's got points now in three straight games. He scored in the last game. So Lindy Ruff, you know, benched him played, I think like maybe 40 seconds in the third period last week in a game. And that may have been the time to kind of jump in on. And now it's just probably too late because this uh, devil's team, they're clicking on all cylinders, I suppose in deeper leagues too, maybe Dawson Mercer finds time, you know, in a top six role here and there. And there's some stability there. Andre Palat has had, you know, some opportunities uh, in the top six when I think Nico Heischer left the game the other night and he played, he can help you out maybe in a bangers league, but I'm talking like 14, 16 team leagues here. Uh, yeah. If you can get Hughes, don't sell, do not sell Jack, do not sell to Foley or Brat. If you can get Hughes and make a call to the team owner. Yeah. There's no, uh, there's no such thing as selling high here. It's, uh, I, I'm buying as high as I can. Um, yes. I just want to have a piece of it and enjoy the ride. Uh, all right, Meanie, let's, uh, let's take a break here. And then when we come back, we'll, uh, we'll pick it back up. We'll keep firing through some names and some buying opportunities for people. You're listening to the Hockey PDO cast streaming on the Sportsnet Radio Network. All right, we're back here on the Hockey PDO cast with Chris Meany. We are talking fantasy hockey and uh, and players to target early in the season based on what we've seen through the first couple of weeks. I've lost track since our break of uh, whose turn it was. I believe I I went last, so I will I'll defer to you here and give you the floor. Uh, who's next on our uh, on our to do list? I want to talk about Evan Rodriguez, and he may be a, a sell high candidate because we will see Sam Bennett come back soon, Brennan Montour. And what I've noticed from Evan Rodriguez, I mean, just an opportunity, right? Career high, 1843 per game. Last year, he averaged 155 per game on the power play, nearly five minutes per game on the power play so far uh, to start the season. I believe his first two games, he racked up over 12 minutes. 
on the man advantage, two goals, eight points. He's got a couple power play points, 21 shots. You know, I expected a little bit more from him last year playing with those high powered Avs players that we already talked about. And I just didn't really see it, but so far he's, he's found a home here in Florida. We know that this is a team that can score a lot of goals at five and five. They push the pace. They get some power play opportunities as well. I think, you know, Bennett is a good buy low candidate. I think Matthew Kachuk without a goal is a good buy low candidate. You can say the same about Carter Verhage too. Some of those players inside that top six, we just haven't seen them just yet. I mean, carrying over from the long playoff run and some of the injuries uh, has carried over here into this season. But I believe Rodriguez, even when they are fully healthy, may just have a spot here inside the top six. That that PP time probably decreases. Bennett was on the second unit for a majority of last season. And then towards the end of the season and into the playoffs, he was on that first unit and Montour is definitely going to overtake uh, Ekman Larson on that first unit as well. But I think there's still value for Rodriguez. Yeah. The big ch- change they made in season last year was right. They were running that two power, two defensemen uh, top power play unit, which was kind of becoming a dying breed in today's game. And then in the playoffs, they changed it and got great results. out of it. And I, I would expect that to continue. So I, I think that's where Rodriguez is going to lose some of his value because I, I think Bennett will take that spot from him. But in terms of five-on-five play, he's pretty locked in to, and especially on that Barkov wing, right? I know they're going to mix and match and and they like to experiment with having Verhage playing with Kachuk and then playing with Barkov. And so he'll kind of mix and match between that top six. But um, I, I think they ideally want to bump Lucerina down to play with Lundell on the third line. And so that'll leave an opening there in the top six for Evan Rodriguez. And this is still a team that plays one of the highest paces in the league, right? There's always volume at both ends of the ice. They play a very chaotic style. And I just want, I'm with you. I want players who are going to be playing top minutes on this group. And another guy, Sam Reinhardt, like I, I know that he's been scoring a ton here. And so you might be inclined to sell high, but you look at, the chances he's getting kind of in that net front on this power play and how snake bitten he was for large stretches of last regular season. Like this is more in line with what I would expect from him. Uh, he's a phenomenal player who's playing in a great spot. And so uh, I really like what I'm seeing from him. I really like what I'm seeing from this team. And I had, I was with you. I had a lot of questions in terms of, you know, they just went so max effort last year down the stretch that it was kind of, I was wondering whether it would be reasonable to expect them to carry that over and do it all over again this year. And despite the injuries and guys in and out of the lineup, once again, they're kind of playing a very similar brand of hockey. And so kudos to them. And uh, I wouldn't be scared away at all from any of these guys, really. I guess other than, you know, ride the Ekman Larson wave while you can, because obviously once they get healthy, his usage is going to come way down. Yeah, and he's been super cheap in DFS as well, just to kind of plug in at the moment with that power play, getting the opportunity, blocks a few shots for you. I did have a question. I'm glad you brought uh, Sam Reinhardt up because somebody asked me the other day about selling high on him, and I was like, I, I just I wouldn't do it. I, I You know, he's not going to score a, ga- a goal per game, clearly, but 30 goals in each of his first two seasons with the Panthers, I mean, he's just been a goal scorer since he's entered the league like 20 goals in every campaign but one 17 you know in his sophomore campaign we'll call it a slump uh, but this is a guy who just I think people maybe they're thinking about the players that will come back mix in with the hot start and sometimes when they look at the Florida lineup they see him on the third line but I just I wouldn't over don't dive into that too much like he's a guy that's still going to get a lot of ice time yeah uh, he's Sporlogic has him at third in the league in cycle chances behind only Matthew Kachuk and Austin Matthews, fifth in the league in shots from the slot behind Matthews, Tavares, McKinnon, and Larkin, and second in the league behind only John Tavares in inner slot shots with 15 of them in six games, right? He's just living right outside of the paint there. That's where he's been scoring his goals from. And 
he's pretty clearly entrenched in that role. And yeah, we saw him in the postseason, right? They used that um, Reinhardt, Lusterina, and Lundell kind of checking line to great effect. And, and so maybe at some point they're going to experiment with that as well. But he's going to be on this top unit power play, and I still expect him to play a top six role. And so I guess if someone's going to want to buy him just purely at this scoring rate, you can always kind of explore that. But I think he's going to be much more productive than he was last year, for example. And I wouldn't be shocked at all to see him flirt with that 40 goal range. So that's a, especially with a power play production, that's like a very valuable fantasy asset. So uh, don't be selling just because the shooting percentage looks high right now. Um, okay. So uh, you went most recently, you went with the Florida Panthers here. All right. I will, um, let's do the Hurricanes. I got some questions for you here because their start to the year has looked much different than I think we've become accustomed to, right? They're just four and four this season. They were a couple minutes last night away from dropping a three and five uh, while they were trailing the Seattle Kraken. They've given up a league high 35 goals against in eight games um, and are 32nd in save percentage. Now, their defensive profile and all their metrics don't look that far off from last year. It looks purely like they're just not getting saves. And I know Freddie Anderson's been hurt, but Andy Ranta is good. I really like Piotr Kachekov. So I think this is kind of more randomness. So you could probably actually buy there just because people will see how bad the save percentage and goals against look, and maybe you can cash in on that. But because they have been playing in some of these higher scoring, um, kind of more offensively friendly environments, we've also seen some of their forwards cash in, right? And a guy I wanted to highlight is Marty Natchez, who obviously stood out last night against the Kraken, but he's got a career high in ice time now. Um, he's got a career high in power play usage as well, where he's firmly entrenched on a top unit playing uh, north of four power play minutes per game. And he's got the four goals, five assists, four of which are primary so far in eight games. Um, I, I just, I, we've been waiting for this for years. And I guess last year he finally had the 70 point season, right? He started getting more uh, leeway from his coach to kind of freelance and be creative out there. And this has been just another extension of that. And it lines up with him being in his prime physically. And so I think this is more real than not in terms of kind of flirting with that point per game range and being this valuable of an offensive piece. So uh, whether it's him or Kotkinemi, who's being very productive playing with him, uh, Seth Jarvis has had a fantastic start to the year offensively as well. There's different ways you could go about this, but I know the Hurricanes are generally a team that we don't equate with um, offensive efficiency, but right now, just because they've been giving up so much, they've been having to push more themselves and it's led to some really good offensive results. Yeah, has it ever? I couldn't agree more. I remember talking to you last year about Natchez and, and the breakout campaign that we thought we were going to get from him. And like you said, we, we got it. And he's probably my favorite Hurricane uh, on the squad to to roster in fantasy. I know Sebastian Ajo has a has a very high ceiling and he is, you know, he missed a little bit of time. Andrei Sveshnikov is expected to return this weekend too. That's a guy that, you know, should be, you know, activated on your fantasy squad. You know, he's got 25, 30 goal upside as well. And you mentioned Kock and Emmy, you know, 2.28 expected goals at five and five is fifth in the NHL. He's got nine points here. Uh, maybe this breakout campaign is, is happening. You definitely like his line mates. I think Michael Bunting takes that, you know, third line role you know he's playing inside the top six assuming Sveshnikov you know overtakes and they got Tivo Teravine in there I know that this is a team that mixes up all their lines quite often uh, but Natchez is you know you mentioned the power play and, and having a top six role I think is something that we can we can bank on the rest of the season they, they get a lot of offense from their from their blue line is looking at their mm -hmm. shot attempts uh, I mean Burns is number two Slavin is uh, 15 Brady Shea is is 22nd in the NHL those are their top three 
players on the squad and five and five shot attempts from their back end. And last year they got a lot of goals from their back end and adding Dimitri Orlov to the squad as well. It's a team that I expect to turn around. Like this isn't going to be a team that allows four or five goals every single night, but so far they have not gotten the goaltending. So where you can buy Seth Jarvis, I would buy into to him as well. He, you know, sneaky in bangers leagues and he loves to shoot the puck and just having Aho and Sveshnikov will make this team better. Mm. All right. Who's next? Uh, who's next on your list? Well, speaking of guys that are, are getting some opportunities in the paint, I wanted to talk about Frank Petrano here. Uh, five goals, 25 shots, 15 hits. He's got 11 blocks. He's 10th among players in five and five scoring chances with 21. He's got 13 high danger chances at five and five, which is the second most in the NHL. And he's inside the top 20 in expected goals. This is, uh, I know, a Ducks team. You can, I mean, most of their players are on the waiver wire. The other night, watching Zegris and Carlson and Terry was phenomenal. But then, you know, the organization comes out and says, like, Carlson's not going to play every day. And uh, that, that's tough to hold on to a player like that, you know, in, in, in keeper leagues and dynasty leagues, sure. And, you know, deep formats, redraft leagues, I would, the upside is there to, to maybe hang. But Bertrano's getting the opportunity and he's always been a volume shooter. Uh, and I just, you know, when he left New York and he had a minute there in New York where he was, you know, a little bit of a top six role in Florida as well. He's kind of buried, but in Anaheim, they're just, they're lacking talent. So I think the ice time is going to be there. I wish he would get more PP one time. Uh, I can't imagine that's going to happen with the skill forwards that they have there, but he's a guy that just loves to shoot the puck. And I know, and I love players that, that aren't afraid to put pucks on that. Yeah, the value you can probably get out of Leo Carlson, I imagine, is in DFS or on the prop market, right? Because yeah. it's going to be frustrating in season-long leagues with the uncertainty, especially this first half of the year, when he's going to be playing and when he's not. But when he is, they've already shown that they're going to use him quite heavily, right? The three games he has played, 19 minutes, 21-33, and 22-37 last night. He's getting all the opportunities in high leverage scoring situations. He's looked the part. Um, you know, he's got what nine shots on goal in these three games, has been productive, has scored a couple, is living around the net, showing that size and that reach and that skill that got him to be the second overall pick. And so um maybe when you know he's playing there, that's an opportunity to jump and and get him at a at a good under-owned price. Um, but yeah, I mean, I really this team's been so much better at 515 than they were last year are playing much more competitively just adding guys like jackson lacombe and pavel minchikov on the on the yeah. back end has given them so much more jump and ability to get the puck up the ice and, and not just be just living in their own zone for full shifts at a time and so on the one hand i'm with you like vetrano just because of all that uncertainty and how young the team is he's almost playing this like more certain veteran role. And so he will be firmly entrenched, but I actually think there is quite a bit of talent on this team and not just projecting for the future down the road. I think right now there's going to certainly be ups and downs, but you can see in spurts, like how exciting this group already is. Right. And so like that was a thrilling end of the game against Boston to give them their first loss yeah. on Thursday night. And so similar to the coyotes, I'm not sure in terms of the actual season long results, I think there's still a bit of a ways away, but when they're playing and when I know that Carlson's in there, I'm going to be watching because I think that the, uh, the entertainment value is pretty high for them right now. Yeah. Just a, a fun goal in his first NHL game, the two on one there. And they seem to have already created chemistry. So I, I don't know how many games he's going to play. I would still think that he 
lives in the 60s. Yeah. You know if he's fully healthy. You know, maybe he dismisses like 15 games or so. Um, but yeah, it's it's a it's an up and coming team. It's a it's a team that doesn't have a lot of success in the power play. I'm wondering like who could be that that quarterback guy, um, you know, Cam Fowler here and there, but uh, there, there's probably nothing on the back end that could could really help you in a standard 12 team league, but they got some players like McTavish, right? He scored that goal last night or the other night. So he's a player too, like in deeper formats. You just got a nose for the net. Yeah, I think they're still stuck at like one power play goal in 40 yeah. something minutes this yeah. season. Uh, seems yes. almost impossible. So um, I would expect that to turn around a little bit. All right. Well, a power play that hasn't been struggling and a player that I think is in a good spot that I wanted to shout out here is Alex Ayafalo, who obviously already had a good role on the Jets since coming over via trade. But since Gabe Velarde went out, and Velarde will unfortunately be on the IR for four to six weeks, I think, and given his injury history, we'll see when he comes back. Um, but in the meantime, Ayafalo in the last three games has played 1923, 1746, 1954. He's playing on the top line with Connor and Shifley. They're using him on the power play in the middle of the ice um, as a trigger man. And I believe his 15 high danger shots are behind only Matthews and Tavares, according to NHL Edge. And so I really like the situation for him. He's a good player that's playing in a great spot. And I think you can cash in on him because I'm, I'm not sure necessarily if people have caught on to yet that he's playing this type of a role for, for a team that is flawed. But when those top guys are out there, there's a ton of firepower to deal with. Yeah, he's on my list too, Dimitri. I think it's a great call. I was big on Gabriel Velarde. I drafted this guy in a lot of And he spots. looked so he good at the start of the goal. year too. Oh, yeah. He really did. Uh, I think he had like eight or nine shots or double-digit shot attempts in the first game, and he was setting up Kyle Connor all over the ice. He looked really, really good, and I would expect him to get that opportunity back, but he's going to be sidelined for at least the next four weeks here. But I follow um, was on my list here. His ownership is 5% in Yahoo leagues. I've seen exactly what you have seen, the opportunity, the ice time. He's a smart two-way player you know, on the third line in LA, second power play, just getting that opportunity. That's what I liked about Velarde. He was going to get that opportunity here with those two players and Shifley being the other one along with Kyle Connor. But the ice time you alluded to and the power play time as well is just something like 359, 245, 254. Like this is a guy that's getting um, an opportunity here on on the power play. Actually, that, that those numbers are, are um, yeah, those are per game numbers. The last game he played, 641 on the power play like mm. that is that's significant with a guy like like Kyle Connor and and uh Shifley so widely available and uh I would I would I would roster him in a 12 team league for sure well especially with how that power play operates like if you if when you watch it when it's at its best they're working that like low triangle where they've got Connor uh at the flank as the shooter and then they've got Shifley kind of working the goal line sort of and that leaves because of the respect those two guys and the attention they draw from the opposing penalty kill. That's going to leave Alex Ayafalo almost uncovered from a couple feet out in a great shooting spot, right? And so whether he capitalizes on it is another question, but he's certainly going to be in a position to get those opportunities. So I like that quite a bit for him. Um, do you want to talk a little bit about the Red Wings? Because they've yeah, obviously taken the we league should. by storm, right? And when we're talking about um, firepower and offensive results so far, they've been up there amongst the league leaders. Now, certainly some of it is uh, good fortune, right? The shooting percentage has been pretty high. They've been capitalizing on a lot of opportunities. And I wouldn't expect this to necessarily continue for the rest of the season. But it's clear they added quite a bit of talent in the offseason. And the players have been gelling so far. And I kind of wanted to to talk to you about how we can capitalize on that or what you're buying on or, or players that you are kind of piquing your interest in the early going. 
Well, definitely buying Larkin and Debrinkat. I mean, that's yep. a duo that uh, is they're going to be one of the better duos all season. I mean, Debrinkat with nine goals, you know, there's gonna maybe a little bit of regression here, but this is a he scored forty before, right? It just didn't work out in in Ottawa for him. At times, he was on that second unit. It's, it's just not the case here in Detroit. Larkin and him look fantastic together. I'm buying more at Cider, uh, especially a guy that touches a lot of categories for you, blocks and hits. He's got five power play points already. Shane Gossespierre, right? I mean say what you want about his, his defensive game, but he's uh he's a playmaker and he can contribute on the power play. And this is why they, they brought him in to help the, the power play. They got a lot of power play points. I mean, you mentioned the shooting percentage as well. Larkin's got 10. DeBrincat's got five. Gossespierre's got six. Uh, I don't know if I'm really buying, you know, JT Comfer or Andrew Kopp. I like Kopp as a player, you know, coming over from Winnipeg last season. I just didn't feel like he had the line mates, but they were one of the busiest teams in the offseason. So they have more talent on this skill. Sprong's a guy that isn't afraid to shoot the puck either. Uh, maybe a deeper league format, but I, I think out of like cop, I mean, Raymond definitely has 25 goal upside as well, but I think out of maybe Perron, Cop, and Comfer, it may be Perron, the guy that I, I believe in the most to, to touch a lot of categories from you from a, from a fantasy standpoint, but this, this Red Wings team, maybe a lot like Montreal, maybe more competitive, more goals, most likely, but playing to a lot of overs like Huso and Nat, but you know, hot and cold here and there. So yeah, Detroit is a team that, uh, they got a lot to offer at the moment. Yeah. Especially that. I mean, that top unit power play league high, 12 goals in 39, 13 so far. So I want everyone in there and you watch it like the way they're moving the puck right now and the shooting options they have at pretty much every spot, right? It's 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 interesting watching the breakout on one circle and then Goss's bear on the other. And that's actually I, I do like Goss's bear quite a bit because I'm not expecting him to keep you know score 25, 30 goals or whatever he's on pace for, but he's getting looks from great areas and he's a hell of a shooter despite being a defenseman. So um I like that quite a bit. Cop is cop's got a lot of like he's like passing all the checkpoints in terms of like high danger opportunities and he's gotten a ton of shots around the net but yeah I, I think sprung from a goal scoring perspective especially in a deep league or if you're playing the props is interesting to me because it feels like just watching he's come close a number of times he's hit the post like he's getting his looks and we know he's a hell of a shooter and, and he's a very willing shooter at that um his two goals so far are ironically enough like weird balances they kind of just went off him or he poked into the net he actually hasn't even scored yet with his shot and while he was a regression candidate, because just like everyone on the Kraken last year, his shooting percentage was through the roof, like he's going to start scoring on some of these. So um, especially once he gets hot, maybe it's one of those players where you kind of just pick him up and ride him for a couple of weeks until he cools off a little bit. But I am expecting that uptick from him. So, yeah, it's been a it's been a fun team to watch, especially at home. It feels like, um, you know, once they get going and the momentum picks up, like it's it, it gets pretty electric. So, um I like being involved with uh, with what the Red Wings are doing right now. Okay, let's do a, a couple more. You got anyone else on your list that uh, that is worth kind of at least uh, earmarking here for listeners? Yeah, maybe we can just kind of keep an eye on Riley Smith and Brian Russ. Talk about the Penguins here for a second. Melkin's off to a really good start. He's got nine points. He's shooting the puck, 25 shots. And Carlson is not off to a, a great start at all. He's got the four points. And he's playing a lot. He's getting a lot of shot attempts. You know, I just think like when Carlson went to... San Jose, everybody just assume, oh, Carlson and Brent Burns will be one and two, and they kind of cut into each other. I'm not seeing that totally with Latang. Latang's taking that back seat. Carlson's still getting the opportunity. Uh, but Riley Smith has really checked a lot of boxes for me. He's got six points, four goals. He's got 19 shots. He looks really good alongside of Genny Malkin. There seems to be some chemistry there. Of course, he's not going to get first power play time with 
as lethal as the Penguins are. And then, but his ownership is 57%. And then there's Brian Rust at 50%. He's got the five goals, an off year for him last year. I think, you know, expected a little bit of a regression from the breakout campaign that he had. And then he, you know, he got paid. But anybody that plays next to Sidney Crosby, he's like an ATM machine. He just helps everybody out, get paid across the league. But uh, I definitely like that top six. I mean, they're, they're going to score some goals. I, I don't know for certain if this is going to be a playoff team. They still have some issues when I watch them play overall. Uh, but it's still a really, really strong top six. And Ricard Raquel has been dropped everywhere. He doesn't have a goal yet, and he's got just the one assist. And I could see myself moving on from him from a lot of the players that we've already talked about. But I think, you know, he will turn it around. At least he's providing some shots and some hits for for those that are playing in, in those kind of formats. But it's a it's a top six that I think is is probably like a, you know, top 10 in, across the league. And those are, Riley Smith is he's a proven goal scorer as well. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, and you're. Uh... You hit the nail on the head with how what level Malkin is playing at right now. If he's going to be riding shotgun with him, um, I expect the goals to continue. He's gotten a lot of great opportunities so far, so that's a good shot. I guess another name I would, I would throw out here. I know he scored a couple goals early, so maybe he got on people's radars. But Nick Paul is uh, yeah. just speaking of players who are kind of playing that role. He's filling in for Alex Kalorn, uh, who left this past summer in that net front role in the power play. Still playing with Stamkos and Hagel at five on five. They rely on him in all situations. A uh, very valuable player, but now is in a spot where he could actually have kind of like a, a massive breakthrough offensive season just from a power play goal perspective because with the way Kucherov is operating right now, anyone that's going to be on the ice out there with him, especially kind of around the net, he's always looking for those kind of freeze the defense with a shot fake and then pass it for a tap in to the net front for Paul. So uh, he's going to get a ton of great looks from there. And he's away because obviously you're not going to be able to get Kucherov or point or or Stamkos, or maybe even Hagel with the year he had last year. But I feel like, Paul, you could probably still jump in on and get a bit of this top unit power play for the Lightning. Yeah, I like Hagel a lot. I mean, I'm yeah, really I mean, he's a phenomenal player. Play. Yeah. Oh, is he ever? Yeah, really nice two-way player. He's got a lot of offensive upside, and he's uh, he's a really good skater. So he was on my list as well as a guy that's just had a hot start and, and not to sell him. A couple of other names to throw out, like Ryan Hartman. You know, he had the hat trick the other night, but, you know, getting an opportunity. Yoel Erickson Eck is a guy that touches a lot of categories, but Hartman, you know, when playing with Kristoff and Zuccarello is somebody that I like. Thomas Hurdle, right? The Sharks don't have a lot of skill, but he should be rostered. I mean, Hurdle's got... Uh, 16 shots in the season, five points, you know, 94 faceoff wins. So that's a player that I like as well. And uh, for me, I just think there's a couple by low candidates I'll toss out to you. Jason Robertson, like just the one goal here to start the season, 40 goals in back-to-back years. I think he could potentially be available. I don't think anybody's given up on first round talents that they took, but Jason Robertson, Tage Thompson, Alex Tuck. I've seen these guys actually inside the top 10 in the most traded in CBS league. So People are giving up on them, and those are players that I'd like to acquire rather than ship off. Yeah. Another shout, my one final one here, and, and those are all great calls, is uh, I really like this Kings line. of, I mean, the top six as a whole is fantastic, and Deneau and and, uh, and Trevor Moore have been phenomenal offensively together without Victor Arvidsson around uh, with injury, but particularly that Fiala, Pierre-Luc Dubois, Alex Laferriere line, the goals haven't necessarily come yet, right? They have five combined. Three of them are from Dubois, and two of them, I believe, were in like a 10-second span in one game uh, last week. But combined, they have 51 shots on goal, 92 shot attempts, 32 high-danger chances. They're absolutely mashing and creating a ton of opportunities. I believe Mike Kelly had the stat that through the first five games for the Kings, their top two lines, rush chances were 18 nothing. 
at five on five. Like they're just not giving anything up. They're creating a ton themselves. And so I think the goals are coming. And I, I know like Fiala, for example, has like the eight assists or whatever. So the points are still there. But I think there's so much more goal scoring potential, especially with the way that trio is playing at five on five. So um, if you can potentially buy low a little bit there or get in with them, I think there's big things coming for them as well. So I wanted to give them a quick shout out here before we uh, get out of here. Yeah, it's a good call. At least five goals in four of their last five games. It just gets soft matchups too, right? I mean, Kopitar and Dano are going to play against the opposing team's top players. I think Kempe is a good buy low candidate as well. So they get some really good matchups. Uh, DraftKings mispriced Pierre-Luc Dubois on opening night. We all had some fun with that. Even though he didn't score, he was like 3-2. It's like, wait, what? What's happening here? And it's like, why is he priced as like a, a fourth line player? But uh, PLD, Fiala, uh, yeah, if you can get a piece of this King, LA is a team that I really like. I think that they're legitimate Stanley cup contenders. They've just ran into the Oilers in each of the last two seasons. If they can just get some goaltending between, you know, if Cam Talbot can, you know, show us something this season, uh, this is going to be a team that could make a legitimate run in the playoffs. Yeah. The bar they need to clear is just basically anything around league average will probably be good enough with the talent in front of them. Uh, all right, Meanie, this was a blast. Hopefully we uh, will help people out, gave them some some names to to go out and get. Um, I'll let you plug some stuff on the way out. Let the listeners know uh, if they enjoyed this, where they can check you out and get more of this information. Yeah, I appreciate it. On Twitter or the X Machine, I guess the cool kids are calling it at Chris no one, Meanie. No one, no one calls it that. <laughs> Thank the you, you're right. Nobody should. Nobody should call it that. Uh, yeah, at Chris Meany on Twitter and uh, Dangle Bat Sully with my guy Eric Young twice a week, just breaking down all the action in the NHL, like some fun shot props. And Eric likes to call some goal scorers, but it's a fantasy hockey talk, just an NHL talk overall. We both uh, we love the game and we're just diving into it all the time. And Mean Streets five times a week, just uh, hitting up on all the sports. Uh, you know, mostly hockey is what I like, but of course, uh, a lot of people are in on the football. And so we're helping people try to win some fantasy football championships and into the world series and basketball. It's all happening. So I uh, appreciate man, this. I love chopping up with you all the time. I always learn a thing or two from you and uh, it's a great podcast and I'm happy to be a uh, part of it today. So thank you. All right, buddy. We'll keep up the great work. Give, uh, give our pal EY a shout out for me and we'll, uh, well, everyone, I highly recommend following you, listening to your shows, and we're going to get you back on here at some point mid-season, and we'll kind of reevaluate where we're at with everything and kind of reassess all the usage we talked about here. Um, keep up the great work. Thank you to everyone for listening, and we'll be back with plenty more of the Hockey PDOcast streaming on the Sportsnet Radio Network.